Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I hope that you're doing really well in this very moment. And if you're not, I hope that you could take a deep breath and just let it go. Just let it go, whatever it is. Let go for one second. Let go for five seconds. And if you have to start over five seconds from now, just let it go again. I know this is a really, really tough time emotionally. This has been a really just a son of a puta day. And as far as the last month is concerned, you know, like I said yesterday, you know, (laughs) wake me up when November ends. It's how I feel. It's how I feel today. It's how I felt this whole frickin' month. You know, today, 11-22. It's like 11-11-11 right there. And today is the 56th anniversary of the day that John F. Kennedy was shot. Which means it's a double Saturn retrograde. It's, It's like every 28 years, Saturn is in the exact same place it was 28 years before you know, more or less. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's been two Saturn retrogrades since he was shot. Gave me a really eerie feeling. Just a, Oh, just a sad, sad feeling when I was in Dallas, Texas, and I was in, um, a car with, um, a couple friends and the guy who was driving us said, you know, uh, right here was this, the spot we like stopped in traffic. He's like, this is the exact spot where JFK was when he was shot. Gave me a really weird feeling. I mean, just whew, incredibly horrible feeling, you know? And I read that today that this 56 years and it's just brought that day back to me. Just, He died five years before I was born, so it's not like I lived through it, but, you know, looking at the history of it, looking at the whole thing, it was just such a sad time. I mean, what, I mean, out of all the presidents, you know, I, I, there's a few select, there's a a select few, I think, well, this, (laughs) okay, not gonna go there, but, (laughs) you know he was like such a good president wasn't so good to his wife he did cheat on her I mean with Marilyn Monroe my god who wouldn't sleep with Marilyn Monroe right am I right but (laughs) but still you know sure he didn't have an integrity in that way and so he was kind of a scoundrel in that way but I don't know it just 
weird. It was just a weird feeling overcame me when I read that today. I was like, are you kidding me right now? A hiker in Zion National Park fell to her death. She worked, I believe, at the Zion Tree Lodge or something like that. And she was a, just sold concessions, 19 years old, decided to go on a hike with her friends. And what bothers me about this story is that five people have fallen to their deaths in recent years there. In the past, like, five years, I think there's been five deaths. And I kind of feel like, why can't they put up a fence (laughs) on this trail? I mean, if they really care, why, you know, they're like, oh, our hearts go out to, no, screw your hearts going out to put up a freaking fence. If you know that this part of the trail, five people have died from it, from walking there, maybe it's time to put in, in, it's just so irritating because the name of the, this part of the trail is, um, fallen angels or something like that. In fact, I'm going to look it up. Give me a second. I'm going to look that up right now. All right. I looked it up. It's called Angel's Landing. Creepy, right? Totally creepy. I mean, it it could have, could not have been less creepy if it was called the devil's arms are waiting for you here at the bottom of this cliff. (laughs) It drives me crazy. As I read this, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like the first person falling to their death should have been investigated for safety. They should have had OSHA in there. You know, um, the occupational um, uh, safety and I don't know, whatever. But it's hazard. It was a hazardous place. It's like, if all, you know, and they, and it's like in recent years, like a lot of people, not a lot of people, but like five people. But I feel like after the first one, maybe we should yeah, put some strong handrails in here. Maybe put up a little sign. Be careful on this trail. Maybe, you know, it's just it's despicable. It's despicable. This 19 year old woman had like everything in her life to live for. Right. Anyway, um, I do have a bit of good news though. I want you guys to pay attention wherever you are, whenever you are in the world, start paying attention to astrology a little bit between now and February, because there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Number one on November 20th, Mercury retrograde officially ended. Thank God. So no more retrograde. We are now in the retro shade. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been feeling a lot of shade lately. Just a lot of shade. So it's pretty crazy. But it takes about, well, about two weeks for the retro shade (laughs) to stop falling on us. uh, Virgos and Gemini people. So, um... I'm feeling like around December 7th, (laughs) another day that she'll live in infamy. We won't have the Mercury uh, retro shade period any longer. So luckily, I mean, according to bustle, anyway, they said the word retro shade wasn't my idea, but I thought it was so clever. Um, They said it'll be clear, you know, by the time the December holidays roll around and then again, um, you know, the new year time, so uh, there was something else I wanted to show or tell you guys about Thanksgiving. We're still going to have to deal with a little bit of the retro shade. So if you're a Gemini or a Virgo, especially, you know, um, we're ruled by Mercury. So unfortunately, it's just kind of a pain.
pain in the butt, man. Um, for a lot of us, a lot of miscommunications, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, cell phone issues, a lot of, um, technology fails, uh, travel plans, you know, for me, it's been more communication and technology lately because I haven't like gone anywhere, but usually it's like a lot of travel fails. Uh, you know, it's Mercury retrograde is just a, just a really crappy time. But let me tell you this lady. Oh, where is she? Dagnabbit. I just, I subscribed to her on YouTube and I wanted to tell you about her, about her name. Um, Like I said, technology fails. It's like suddenly, <laughs> it's like dog coming up. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, her name is, this is going to be a hard one. You're going to have to write it down. Lada, L-A-D-A, Duncheva, D-U-N-C-H-E-V-A. Lada Duncheva or Duncheva, I don't know. I think it's like Lada Duncheva. I think she might have maybe um, an accent from South America, but I can't tell what country. So obviously, probably a country I haven't been to, but she kind of a little bit reminds me of someone from Colombia, but she speaks in English and she is super adorable. And she just put out the uh, new age for you, the start of a new age for you for every single sign out there. So I recommend you watch the video for your sign as well as, you know, your sun sign as well as your rising sign because your rising sign is every bit as important as your sun sign as far as the way that the planets work and everything. So it has to do with your chart. If you don't know anything about your chart, alabe.com, astrolab or a, a lady, a lobby. Um, it's the Astrolab website and you could go and in five minutes, have your chart done in like super, super, super fast. Tan rapido, <laughs> very quickly. So you can, you know, find out everything. Obviously, you know, your sun sign, but not everyone has their, uh, rising sign or their midheaven signs or anything else. Most people don't know that, but if you already know it, you know, just go look at your sun sign, first of all, from her, but then go do that and find out your rising. Basically, what's happening is that Saturn, the planet of limitation and Jupiter, Jupiter has been going, I think, retrograde or something, but it's been like two to three years where everybody's life has been just basically crap. It's been like problems with friendships, problems with work, problems with relationships, problems with just everything and nothing has been working. It's just been blah, so much crap. And so I, I felt better after I watched her little video today because, um, the way she described Virgo, it's like, yeah, it looks like you haven't had much, uh, romantic action in three years. I'm like, Oh my God. It's like, do you live with me? Do you live with me secretly? Are you hiding under my bed? I'm like looking under my bed. <laughs> Not really, but but she's right on. I can't believe how absolutely accurate it was. I was blown away. Um, she was like right on. And, but basically on the 15th of December, everything's going to start moving forward again in a way that 
all the crap that's been put on hold, all the things that you've tried, all the times that you've been very desperate to move forward on something and it wasn't working. You keep trying and trying and trying. It's just like, oh, like, you know, you started a business and just didn't take off or you just, you've been looking for work and you're just, you can't find anything. All this crap is going to turn around December 15th on through um, January. And then for the entire year of 2020, it's going to be better for everybody. Like an incredible amount of better. Everyone's going to be like, oh man, it's so much easier. Life is so much better suddenly. Like, I can't believe it. It's so much better now. So that's pretty much um, what's happening. So like, if you are feeling depressed or suicidal or your relationship just ended or just crap is happening, just hold on. Please just hold on three more weeks. Hold on three more weeks. You got three more weeks. You know, if you absolutely hate Thanksgiving, order Chinese food. You know, if you don't have any family to celebrate Christmas, Chinese restaurants are always open for some reason on all the major holidays. I don't know why Chinese food is so good, too. <laughs> order a pizza. You know, stay home and order a pizza. You know, a big tub of ice cream. Watch, watch romantic movies, something, you know, or funny movies, especially funny movies. And if you're too depressed to watch funny movies, watch a movie in which somebody else's life is way worse than yours. Better Off Dead is on YouTube, so that's one of the funniest movies if you're really depressed. Um, and this guy keeps trying to kill himself, and he, and he keeps, like, ruining it and screwing it up. And it's just pretty, it's a really, whole, it's very dark, but very funny. John Cusack. There's just something about the Cusacks, Joan and John both. I just love these people so much. They're so crazy. But, um, but I wanted you guys to know about that. Mercury retrograde, thank you, God, is it's over. Thank God. It was really a hard one for me this time. Like, I, you know, just I think the person that I thought was, you know, we had talked for like three weeks and then we finally met during Mercury retrograde. And now that Mercury has gone direct on the day it went direct was a day he said, oh, by the way, I'm just going to cancel our plans for Thanksgiving and I've left town. <laughs> I don't know. I just it's like God told me to live in Ecuador. I'm in Ecuador. I was told to stay here, become a citizen, do everything I can to be in Ecuador and just stay here and you know, I'm like, I'm bored. I want to have, you know, a relationship or something. And it's just one of those things where it's like not in the cards clearly, but, um, every person I've met, you know, even like I've met uh, like five people that I liked and within a year or two of them moved to Mexico, actually within six months, two of them moved to Mexico and two of them left town. <laughs> two people I actually had dates with left town without telling me goodbye first. At least one told me afterwards. At least, you know, we're still talking, but I don't know. And who's the fifth one? No, maybe I didn't meet a fifth one that I liked. So I've talked to 120 men now here. And I only met up with, actually out of those three, and then the fourth one I liked, and then he moved to Mexico. Crazy. So <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, the fifth one, yeah, he kept disappointing me. Twice he asked, he told me when he's coming and, told me to make sure to keep the week freeze. He's coming for the week and turns out, oh, well, he didn't, 
actually show up. Didn't even decide to call me for two weeks afterwards. So I don't know. Bad luck with men. It's all going to turn around though in December. So yay. So in spite of all the super annoying, problematic uh, things that might have gone on with you guys regarding love, relationships, having false starts, um, or with me, with all of us, um, it's all going to get better. It's all going to get better in December, um, kind of towards mid-January, between mid-December and mid-January, it's when things are going to start heating up again. You're going to start to feel more like yourself, more um, available emotionally to go out and be a part of a social crowd. If you've been feeling particularly more introverted than normal, um, you're going to start to learn and discover new talents I mean, I only listened to a couple of these, but I mean, you've got to go see her, um, go see that YouTube channel because she's, her astrology is just super positive and so amazing. And the fact of the matter is, uh, Jupiter and Saturn are going to be in Capricorn and they're moving forward. If you are a Capricorn, you have a much higher percentage or chance of even becoming a millionaire, even if your rising sign only is Capricorn like mine is. Woohoo! So hopefully that's something. <sighs> not gonna hold my breath. <laughs> I've not had the best luck with money or men. I don't know uh, what's left after that. I that would that <laughs> what area of my life that I you know not even business. I I don't even know. What are the other areas? I guess I have amazing kids. That would be like the only, only part that, you know, has come out okay for me. You know, good education. That's it. (laughs) Using the education now here, right in this very moment, even on this uh, podcast. So at least I'm using my degree for something for good and not for evil. (laughs) Anyway, so there you have it for that. Uh, yeah, pay attention to astrology. Oh, oh, that's the other thing. I wanted to mention on uh, Christmas, there is going to be a, oh, I want to say complete solar eclipse or something like that. We'll get, when we get more towards it, I'll let you guys know. But there's going to be a massive thing going on on Christmas day and it's like very rare. There's a lot of strange astro- astrological things that are very rare. So we'll get more, we'll get more into it as, as we go on. So I want to talk to you guys about the Schumann resonance on disclosurenews.it. Uh, they basically said the activity started yesterday is continuing, but at lower values today, the significant part began at 4 a.m. UTC time and remained on power 20 threshold since then, or I should, they spelled that wrong, should say then, with a peak power 25, or basically 25 hertz frequency at 10 a.m. UTC time. And then the evening report at 1700 UTC, it says, in the early part of today, we had the most significant activity from 4 to 10 UTC time, which is, I think, in Russia. 
Universal Time Coordinated is what UTC stands for, by the way. That's the time in Tomsk, Russia. So that's kind of cool. And But then it says plus seven, so I don't know what that means. So psh, hell's bells, guys. I honestly don't know what UTC means. Anyway, <laughs> it just says there was a series of peaks on the 20, you know, in the 20s, I guess, with maximum at 25 hertz frequency. So there's a Schumann residence from Italy, 25, that's it, not very much. Well, let's be impressed. Let's go to heartmath.org where we will obviously be hella impressed, right? Okay, not with Hofu of Saudi Arabia because they're still flatlining at zero. And they've been at zero for like weeks now, so I don't know. Um, It could be an equipment malfunction on their part or it could just be that's all it is. The magnetosphere is cracked, guys. So, you know, for Hofu of Saudi Arabia, wah, wah. Okay, but in California, we have 71 hertz frequency at midnight, and by 5 a.m., 75 hertz frequency. Um, yeah, and not a, not a big difference there. And in Lithuania, they start off at 134 hertz frequency. Pretty high, pretty significant at midnight and they went up to 143 so they are on the upswing so 5 a.m they're at 143 and this is kind of odd uh in both alberta canada and northland new zealand they were both at 86 hertz frequency at midnight let's see what happens well they both kind of kept with each other a little bit they were a little bit off and they both then reached the same again at 4 a.m they were at 92 hertz frequency but then they diverged from each other and at 5 a.m in northland new zealand they were at 96 hertz frequency alberta canada was at 93 and last but not least in halului south africa we started off at 262 Hertz frequency. Remember, they were up. They were up to like 700 recently. So, they're down to 262 hertz frequency at midnight, and they're back on an upswing. By 5 a.m., they were at 281. Now, Foundation for Inner Peace. We are on the lesson in A Course in Miracles, 165. If you are interested in taking the lessons in A Course in Miracles. Of course, if you want miracles in your life, this is one way to do it. This is one path. I'm reading it because it's a high vibration, and I think that it kind of helps keep our vibes up, especially when we feel extremely frustrated with the crazy energy lately. It's just been kind of nuts, and especially with all the relationship stuff. And I feel like as the Saturn and Jupiter crap comes to a head it comes to an end and then it's all gonna go in a different direction in less than a month i think that's why it's just seeming to like all it's just like all the gunk of that is like pooling at the bottom you know what i mean it's just the junk the bottom have you ever guys guys ever bought like a bottle a glass bottle of um, iced tea in a, in a gas station and then there's all that gunk at the bottom i feel like that's 
the emotional residue of what we're going through looks like that in my mind's eye anyway. All right. Course in Miracles dot or ACIM dot org. You can also get this for free on an app of your choice. There's so many. And I mean, if you want it purple or blue or pink or probably orange, why would you want to do that? I don't know. But maybe you do. And it's there's a lot of them that's for free. So just look up ACIM. That's uh, A Course in Miracles. Lesson 165 today is let not my mind deny the thought of God. Let not my mind deny the thought of God. What makes this world seem real except your own denial of the truth that lies beyond? What but your thoughts of misery and death obscure the perfect happiness and the eternal life your father wills for you? And by the way, that's not just in the great beyond. It's actually now, by the way. And what could hide what cannot be concealed except illusion? What could keep you from what you already have except your choice to see it not, denying it is there? The thought of God created you. It left you not, nor have you ever been apart from it an instant. It belongs to you. By it, you live. It is your source of life, holding you one with it. And everyone is one with you because it left you not. The thought of God protects you, cares for you, makes soft your resting place and smooths your way. Lighting your mind with happiness and love, eternity and everlasting life, shine in your mind because the thought of God has left you not and still abides with you. So it goes on and on and on. Okay. Not that long. It's only eight. It's only eight paragraphs. The very last one I'm going to read. We count on God and not upon ourselves to give us certainty. And in his name, we practice as his words directs we do his sureness lies beyond our every doubt his love remains beyond our every fear the thought of him is still beyond all dreams and in our minds according to his will so again the main thought of the day is let not my mind deny the thought of God all right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about ravens. You know, what's funny is I was sitting here last night. I was talking to Jude, my near twin flame, Starseed Perspective on Facebook, as well as that's the name of his podcast um, on anywhere podcasts are heard. Well, not quite. I think he's only on a few right now because it's a brand new. It's a baby podcast brand new he's just starting out but you can find him on anchor.fm and uh just look for the starseed perspective but anyway as we were doing the show last night and i didn't even tell him that today it's kind of funny but i was thinking that i was just thinking randomly about uh ravens while he was talking i'm like oh i want to look at pictures of ravens and I started thinking about it. And when I finished the show and I got it published finally, I I got a, a, an urge <laughs> from God. And it was like, 
uh, do it on Ravens. So I looked it up and you know what? I found out that there's a lot of mysteries surrounding Ravens, not just the spirit animal thing and not just from native American folklore, not just from the totem animal thing, but there's so much and not just from the Edgar Allan Poe poem. One of my favorites, by the way, there are so many things about Ravens. I did not know. So we're going to go over Ravens tonight. And the other thing is the reason why I started miss. Well, I'll tell you right when I get back, I'm going to tell you when I get back. How's that? Okay. I'll tell you right now. (laughs) Actually. And this is really, really strange is that I started missing Ravens a couple weeks ago again. And it happened a couple times here. Like, you know, you just don't see any Ravens in Ecuador. So how this started was I was listening to Jude. We were having the show. We were like recording the show last night and I looked up on Wikipedia, the uh, Ravens in Ecuador. And it turns out they're part of the Cor- Corvinidae family, Corvin or Corwin, uh, Corvinidae family. Um, They've been, I mean, they're all over the world, right? There's like, you know, birds are related to this, but crows, ravens, and magpies. I didn't even know magpies were in that family of birds, but they're all related somehow. But I looked and there's only magpies here. Can you guys believe that this is a country without crows? This is a country without ravens? And I've been really missing them because my whole life I have had ravens follow me. I have had them everywhere. And I felt a little bit magically lost when I did not have my raven guides with me because I've always like had them. And, and I was thinking if something happened to my son here while we're here living in Cuenca, how could I have what birds am I going to work with? Because when I was in California and my oldest was very little and wandered off into the forest behind our house, not because of her, but because the other little girl she was with. And the the, the thing that would happen is later she told me, look, you know, I would never go wandering off by myself, but she went wandering off and I got really worried for her and I didn't want her to be alone in the forest. (laughs) How cute, right? Four-year-olds four-year-old logic but instead of running to tell an adult hey she's trying to go off in the forest but when we're looking for her and I had mentioned this a couple times on the show already this year but when I was panicked and I went outside and I was calling her a raven came a giant raven came and he looked at me and he just like whatever you know caught out to me caught out get it uh caught And I said, can you tell me where my daughter is? And he flapped his wings and he kind of did like a little symbol with his, his foot, you know, and he's like, like he's pointing and I'm like, so she's out there and he kind of nodded his head and he's just like transmitted the information. I go, can you tell me where she is exactly? And he nodded his head again and he ran, he ran, he flew into the forest, found her, came back. And in my mind told me where telepathically told me where to find her. I told my husband, he's like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, cause a Raven told me like, duh, right? <laughs> Obviously. And he's like, 
what? And he just looked at me like I was out of my freaking mind. And I'm like, you're the one that told me your grandmother works with ravens, had a raven, taught a raven how to talk, had conversations with a raven, had a pet raven as a familiar. How is it possible that it can happen for her and not for me? Like, okay, I work with wild animals, not, you know, I don't have one as a pet. But he was just like looking at me like I was absolutely crazy. But guess what? He went out exactly where I told him to go. And there she was. And he came back. He's like, that's amazing. The raven saved her life. I'm like, well, yeah, because I'm, I work with ravens. <laughs> like, it was just like, he looked at me like, wait. But I've had ravens around me my whole life ever since I was a baby. They're one of my biggest um, spirit animals. And I've been really missing them lately. And to find out there's none here in Ecuador, I'm like, I really miss the ravens. I really, really miss them. I mean, it felt like I had my family outside the window when I'd hear them cawing out the window. So I don't know, but we're going to learn a lot together tonight because there's a lot I don't know about ravens other than my own personal experience. So we're going to find out about what if raven is your animal spirit, your animal guide. And there's some really crazy facts about ravens I discovered. Some of them are just absolutely bizarre And then they're also in mythology all over the world. Well, maybe not from Ecuador, but from other countries in which ravens exist. So when we come back after this message, we're going to learn more about ravens. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you. Okay, guys, we're going to get into everything Raven tonight, except for That's So Raven TV show on Disney Channel. I watched with my kids when they were very little. I actually love that show. It was pretty cool because she had really good intuition. She was psychic. So let's talk about Raven symbolism first. When you go to trustedpsychicmediums.com, com slash spirit animals slash raven spirit animal dash between all those last words okay when your life is full of raven symbolism they say it just signifies that you have a strong mysterious force surrounding you you attract others and you can maybe make them a little fearful of you at the same time your power is your wisdom and intelligence The appearance of the raven as a spirit animal signals the time to pause and consider the messages that are currently being sent to you. Oh yeah, well today in the sky I did see the number three very clear in the clouds, so 
Is that something? Maybe. <laughs> I asked God, when, when's my twin coming? And then I saw three in the sky. I'm like, that better be days, hours, minutes. Now it's probably months. Eh, well, it's better than years or decades. <laughs> anyway, uh, common raven spirit animal meanings. It could be that you have the ability to learn because you have a lot of intelligence. You can learn quickly, just like the panda spirit animal. You can uh, use what you learn to figure out all the solutions to your problems. You're inventive, resourceful, crafty, and you can overcome difficulties and always find the silver lining to every cloud. I was just telling someone today that there's a silver cloud to every or silver lining to every cloud, or is that a cloud to every silver lining? <laughs> Sometimes it seems the opposite, doesn't it? So it says, you will not have everything at your disposal, but you'll still find ways to make everything work out. And just like with the llama spirit animal, you are brave enough to face your fears. You can accept defeat with integrity, but you refuse to give up the fight at the first sign of difficulty. Uh, well, that's that's good to know. Uh, it says that the raven spirit animal, it does look dark and foreboding to a lot of people. And this, as part of your totem, it'll make you feel a little intimidating to others because of your aura, appearance, or stature. And your presence will truly command people's attention. Now, when you walk into a room, you might turn heads. You might be strong and attractive and there's an air of mystery around you. So divination and mystery is signified by the raven totem and the attraction to the magical ways or the mystical ways. So there you go. Um, you can find the right path to success and love using your knowledge and wisdom when you have raven in your totem. So it kind of goes on and on about the same kind of stuff. Let's see here. Um, now, when you have a raven appear to you, whether it's just in your mind or comes across your energy field, say you're watching, you know, a TV show and someone's named Raven, and then you uh, turn on a movie or you go out to the movies with a friend and suddenly there's ravens and that's a big symbol in the movie. Well, what does that mean? Or you see someone with a raven tattoo or a t-shirt when you're walking through the mall or down the street. And all of a sudden, there's ravens everywhere. Ravens mean that you are in dire need of a spiritual rebirth. And you need to cast the darkness out of your life so that you can allow the light to come in. Might mean that you need a little bit of solitude to figure some stuff out. And also that maybe you can lighten up a little bit and enjoy life even if you are currently alone so it needs that you it means that you need uh, stillness and quietude in order to tune into the world the nature around you and figure out your stuff now for some people the raven totem is bad luck and it says for many cultures the meaning of the raven corresponds to the underworld and to death I think that they're also associated sometimes with the number 13, which again, in the Holy Tarot is the card of death, but you don't have to take it literally. Of course, uh, the Raven simply wants to let you know 
a transformation, just like the death card in the tarot, a holy transformation is about to take place in your life. It could be a negative or positive, just it's a transformation. Sometimes it's good, sometimes not so good. But you will be guided through it by your raven animal spirit if that is definitely part of your totem. It could also signify rebirth and renewal, kind of like the symbol of a butterfly. And also, if your life has been stagnant for a while, the symbolism of the raven will come to you. Oh, and by the way, the difference between ravens and crows, uh, crows are a lot smaller. Ravens are the much, much bigger blackbirds that you see in North America, mostly in the Northern Hemisphere. They're throughout Europe as well. So um, let's see here. Um, another uh, thing that raven totems symbolize recovery of illness and healing as well as detoxing and cleansing if there's something unhealthy emotionally that you need to let go of or maybe you just need to go on a nice good juice fast um moringa (laughs) don't leave the house after you drink moringa just telling you guys (laughs) without the details um (laughs) also if you are a procrastinator that's the raven will show up because you know what They're masters of time. Probably if you're timeline hopping a lot, time looping, you're experiencing weirdness with time speeding up, slowing down. Um, The ravens might show up because they are the masters of time. But also, they're there to let you know. It's time to stop procrastinating. It's time to be more playful and creative. You have to be fearless and strong like the raven. And you also have to accept the darkness in order to let in the light, except the good as well as the bad. Um, let's see here. Uh, sometimes you might want to disconnect from the world and stop with the constant noise and chatter. The Raven is here to tell you about that as well. Um, if you have this as your spirit animal, eh, you might also be a little bit into mirth and mischief. <laughs> You don't want to hurt other people's feelings with your joking around, but it might be if you're a Hayoka shaman like me, it's very much a possibility that a raven is in your totem. So ravens are very good at mocking and joking. I've heard them like they're laughing at people when something happens. I've seen them mock people when I was a kid. So I always thought that ravens were a little bit funny that way. Um, let's see here. Uh, when, when should you call upon your raven spirit animal? It's when you need a sign from the universe on what you need to do with your life right now. When you feel scared about your, um, situation or you're unsure about your abilities, when you're lacking in confidence, when there's an important decision to be made, your raven spirit animal will want to help you go towards your heart's desires and will show up to encourage you. When you feel like you don't have any choices in your life, call upon your raven. When you're feeling unsure, scared, um, when you need to look deep inside you, the raven will help you to do that. So uh, it says, four facts about raven symbolism. Obviously, you're wise and you have intellect. You think outside the box. 
you directly stand up to whoever or whatever your fears might be. It gives you a way to tackle things head on, basically. And you can be a little bit intimidating to other people, so you might want to cool it if you're around the more sensitive-natured people. So, uh, basically, when a raven shows up, it's time to stand up and accept your confidence and conquer your fears and go towards the direction of your dreams. Okay. Now I found this really crazy website called mentalfloss.com. Okay. They have an article called 10 fascinating facts about ravens and they have this gorgeous picture of a raven. <gasps> Ooh, he's so awesome. He's got these dark, dark gray, like gunmetal gray eyes and he's just so intense. I love these birds so much. They literally have always been a part of my life. So this is what you should know about ravens. They are one of the smartest animals. In fact, their intelligence rates right up there with dolphins and chimpanzees. They are one of the smartest animals on the planet. So uh, this is what they said. In one logic test, the raven had to get a hanging piece of food by pulling up a bit of the string, anchoring it with its claw, and repeating until the food was in reach. And most ravens got the food on the first try, some within 30 seconds. In the wild, ravens have pushed rocks onto people to keep them from climbing up to their nests. They have stolen fish off of fishermen's lines right out of ice holes, not assholes, ice holes, and played dead inside a beaver carcass to scare other ravens away from a delicious feast. Oh, those bastards. <laughs> Crazy, right? So if a raven knows that another raven is watching it hide its food, it will pretend to put the food in one place, but literally hide it in another. <laughs> so they can be very, very sneaky. They're very clever birds. So ravens can imitate human speech. And if you go on YouTube and look up Ravens Can Talk, it's going to give you the heebie-jeebies in some cases because they sound like parrots or better. A lot of times ravens can talk better than parrots. And what's really freaky, there's a couple wild ravens. They have a little bit of a white collar around them in uh, London. And they will like fly up to people and talk to them in English. And it freaks the people out. Like, what the hell? Like... How's this wild bird talking to me right now? This is some kind of crazy trip, okay? So, uh, when ravens are in captivity, though, they will talk better than parrots. They can mimic noises like toilets flushing, car engines, bird calls, and other animals. They can even imitate foxes or wolves. They attract them to carcasses, when the raven is incapable of breaking open a carcass, they will literally make the sound of a wolf or a fox to get them to come and open up the animal. It's kind of gross, but because they want to eat, and then they'll just apparently share it with the wolf or the fox because they always get the leftovers when the wolf is done eating. 
So that's really strange, right? I did not know that about ravens. Okay, another thing is Europeans have often thought of ravens as evil in disguise. So uh, <laughs> a lot of people thought that uh, they're they're evil, probably because they're black. Black has always been, you know, a color of obscurity of the night, the color of witches. You know, we wear cloaks at night to be not always okay. That's kind of ridiculous. I mean, in modern day times, sure, maybe witches wear black leather coats instead or hoodies. Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> In France, people believed ravens were the souls of wicked priests. Ah, I would hate to put that on a raven. I mean, ew. Okay. Crows were wicked nuns. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I didn't even know about that. Now, in Germany... Ravens were thought to be the incarnation of damned souls or even Satan himself. In Sweden, ravens that croaked at night were thought to be the souls of murdered people who had not had proper Christian burials. And in Denmark, people believed that night ravens were exorcised spirits and you better not look at them in case there was a hole in the bird's wing, because if you look through the hole, you shall turn into a raven yourself. Oh my God, I did not know any of those things. Now, ravens have been featured in many myths around the world, from Greece to Tibet. They have been known as messenger for the gods. Well, Hermes or Mercury can't be doing everything, right? And there's a lot more ravens than just the one god, Mercury. So why not? Ravens are messengers for the gods. And indeed, ravens have been messengers for me specifically and throughout my whole life. So I do believe this is true. Celtic goddesses of warfare often took the form of a raven during battles. The, the uh, Viking god Odin had two ravens. One was named Hugin, which means thought. One was named Munin, which means memory. And these two ravens flew around the world every day to report back to Odin every night about all the things that they saw going on in the world. The Chinese said ravens caused bad weather in the forests and they did this to warn people that the gods were about to pass by. Now, Native American tribes, many of them at least, worshipped the raven as a deity in and of itself. Simply called raven, he is a sly trickster, and he is involved in the creation of the world. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I told you guys before a few times I mentioned my raven, my grand, I called him grandfather. He would show up and he would knock on my window every morning right before the sun came up and I would open my curtain and he would transmit via telepathy all kinds of things about the world. I called him grandfather. I thought he was like an ancestor spirit and he came and told me about my Native American heritage my ways how I need to love and trust all of life 
and we just hung out together. Sometimes we would just look into each other's eyes without any communication, and that in and of itself for me was communication enough. Now my mother would freak out when she would see the raven. She would she was terrified the raven was going to try to come in and peck out my eyes and so that was always an issue and my mom would grab her broom and and wave the the big part of the broom at the window it's like the bird can't even come inside but she'd go shoo 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 you it was horrible i'd be like mom it's okay he's my friend i call him grandfather and my mom just was like no i don't trust him and she would shut the curtains really fast and my mom was cherokee she was half cherokee but she didn't really or i think she wasn't half she was a fourth she was like 25% cherokee and this is not my she was my adopted mom okay but she was just like my 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 birth mother was 25% cherokee also both from their grandfather you know from their father's side and so basically i don't know she just wasn't in touch with her native american side at all and she didn't find out she was cherokee until she was an older woman like in her 60s i couldn't believe it she called me one day she said did you know i was cherokee i'm like no she's like yeah i just found out i was cherokee just like you and i'm like well that's weird cuz we might actually have been related and when she died i asked for my stepfather to grab her some of her hair or her hairbrush so i could dna test it and well he had already thrown it away so i don't know i guess i'll never know it's just been a really weird mystery to me but but my mom just wasn't in touch with it but i was like oh but this is grandfather this is my friend and i remember when i was in college too there was a, a raven that came and he looked through the window he landed on a tree branch i was on the third story in a very old building at the University of North Dakota and I was taking a class in East and Western religions and I was taking my uh test and there was a couple things I wasn't sure of I looked out the window and this raven was watching me and I told him telepathy through telepathy I said here's the question I'm trying to answer can you answer this for me he transmitted via telepathy an answer well i got an a on that paper on that on that test i think it's because a raven helped me he was very smart and he knew what he was doing and i think it might have been grandfather coming to me in another raven body cuz this is years later and when i got i i told him i love you and i waved goodbye to him thinking he was going to fly off cuz i went out of the classroom he couldn't see me anymore i walked downstairs and i walked outside and i looked up and he was still there waiting for me and he flew with me for the rest of the day he stayed with me now this has happened to me a lot when i would leave for work the ravens ravens would fly they would fly above my car the whole length of me until the until my you know the whole length of my um trip until i reached the edge of the forest and they would sit and wait for me i would be gone for hours and i'd come back and here's my ravens and they would they had been waiting for me they saw me and they'd fly above my car and protect me they'd offer me a shield of psychic mystical energetic protection i've always loved ravens they've always been my spirit animal i was thinking about getting a raven tattoo so i was looking up 
all the different kinds of ravens I could get as a tattoo. So I'm still thinking about it. So ravens are extremely playful. So of course they're <laughs> good for Hayoka shamans, right? The Native Americans were not far off about the raven's mischievous nature. This mentalfloss.com uh, article continues. It says they've been absorbed in Alaska and Canada using snow-covered roofs as slides. <laughs> they, they've been seen rolling down snowy hills in Maine. Oftentimes they will play keep away. <laughs> Remember that game, that really mean game, keep away that everyone who has a younger brother or sister has done. <laughs> um, they'll play with other animals like wolves, otters, and dogs. They'll even make toys. This is a very rare animal behavior, but they will use sticks, pine cones, golf balls, or rocks, and they'll play with each other or even just by themselves. They love to be creative and playful. And sometimes, like I, like I was mentioning before, it says right here in the article, they will taunt, tease, or mock other creatures eh, just because it's funny. <laughs> They do. They're just incredible birds. Number six, ravens do weird things with ants. What? This is weird. They will lie down on an anthill and they'll roll around so the ants swarm on them. And then they'll chew up the ants and they'll rub the ant guts on their feathers. The scientific name for this is called anting. <laughs> A-N-T-I-N-G, anting, what? Songbirds, crows, and jays will do this also. The behavior is not well understood. The theories range from the acts acting as an insecticide or fungicide for the bird. So the ant secretion will soothe a molting bird's skin, maybe, to the whole performance being a mild addiction. That's very interesting theory too, right? It says, one thing seems clear, though. Anting feels great if you are a bird. I mean, they do have formic acid. Instead of anting, we call it formicating. (laughs) That's crazy. I wonder if it stops them from molting. I don't know. That's, That's one for the ages. Okay. Number seven. Ravens do use hand gestures. It turns out that they will make very sophisticated non-vocal signals. So they will gesture to communicate. That's absolutely true. They're so smart. They will point with their beaks to indicate an object to another bird, just like we will with our fingers. They will hold up an object to get another bird's attention. This is the first time in Australia researchers have observed naturally occurring gestures in any animal other than primates. Wait a minute. I've seen dogs point with their paws. And I had a wolf who did this as well. He would like kind of put his paw up and kind of move it like a like a, a snake charmer snake. <laughs> like a cobra to a snake charmer and move it around like that. And right when you're looking at his paw, he would he would move it really fast and poke you in the eye, just boop. And you're like, oh man. And 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 then of course you're gonna get an infection because he's been walking around on the ground and he would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh because you know, yeah, wolves can be tricksters too. 
Ravens are adaptable. This is number eight. They are adaptable. Evolutionarily speaking, the deck is stacked in the raven's favor. They live in the snow, in the deserts, and forests, mountains, everywhere. And they have a huge diet that does include meat, fish, seeds, fruit, carry-on, which is dead animals, not luggage for your airplane, and garbage. They are not above tricking animals out of their food. <laughs> That's hilarious. One raven will distract another animal, for example, and then the other one will steal its food because, you know, they can work in pairs. Raven gangs, I suppose. Oh, actually, that's number 10. Shh, gave it away too soon. <laughs> they have few predators, and they do live a long time, 17 years in the wild, but up to 40 years in captivity. Oh, that's so cool. Usually it's the opposite, right, for captivity? Ravens do show empathy to one another. That's number nine. Even though they can be mischievous and they can mock and laugh and, you know, jerk around other people or animal people, (laughs) ravens do feel empathy. They're very capable of that. When um, a raven's friend loses in a fight, they'll seem to console the losing bird. They will also remember birds that they like and they'll respond in a friendly way to certain birds for three years after seeing them even because they can remember up to three years supposedly. Maybe more. I'm sure they can remember longer. They respond negatively to enemies, and they are suspicious when a strange raven shows up. Now, a flock of ravens has been known as an unkindness. Weird. I did not know that. But they are actually very kind birds. Ravens roam around in teenage gangs. That's number 10. They do mate for life. They live in pairs in a fixed territory. When their children reach adolescence, they will leave home and join gangs. (laughs) What? It's a rite of passage for a raven. Like every human mother's worst nightmare, right? All right. These flocks of young birds live and eat together. They'll mate and pair off. And they... It says, interestingly, living among teenagers... Seems to be stressful for the raven. Hmm. Go figure. Scientists have found higher stress levels of stress hormones in teenage raven droppings than in droppings of mated adults. That's never easy being a teenager. Crazy information. What? So, ravens are in the family Corvidae or Corvid. C-O-R-V-I-D. Corwin is... Well, it's a name for another word for raven, and it is a Celtic word. My first husband, that was his nickname, was Corwin. I also dated a man um, named Greg, who then later changed his name to Raven. He said, just call me Raven. That was his spiritual transformation animal, and he really related to it. And he walked with death every day of his life, and so did I. You know, it's just like, I think those of us that are kind of, it's not like a death cult, but I mean, those of us who are close to death, we've seen a lot of death, we're around it, we work with it. Like for me, I cross people over. Ravens have always been a big part of my life. And I think that might be why. Now in CorvidResearch.blog, they are talking about mythology. So we're going to delve into this a little bit. 
Now, it says there have been a lot of stories about crows and other corvids. So, let's see what it has to say. Um, it says corvids are found in nearly every corner of the world. Yes, except the world is round and therefore they're not here in Ecuador. <laughs> and they have always been connected to us. They, you know, they share, sometimes steal food we grow. I don't think we should call it stealing, though. I don't think we should because I think that if you have a garden, we should share 10% of it back to nature and maybe 10% to the poor. I just the way I think, you know, um, but scarecrows, <laughs> yep, scarecrows is to scare the ravens and the crows. And uh, there's many scarecrows you've seen pictures of. Sure, I'm sure you've seen pictures of scarecrows with ravens and crows sitting on the scarecrow. <laughs> Didn't scare them at all. It's kind of funny. So let's see. Um, some of the oldest stories in the world, from India to Rome to the Middle East, or even in the New World, there have been very old stories that explain facts of how the world came to fruition. And a lot of times it does involve, well, the crow spirits or the ravens. Now it says that Apollo, the son of the most powerful Greek god Zeus, had an important, albeit tumultuous, relationship with crows. The Greek word for crow, corone, hmm, well, if it's corona, it means crown in Spanish. Take out the first O, it's crone, which in Celtic also means a wise old woman who's also a witch. So, all right, we'll go on with this. The Greek word for crow, corone, comes from the name of Apollo's mistress, Coronis. Ooh, I like that for a witchy name. Isn't that cool? I'm Coronis, right? You could just see it. <laughs> According to the, to the version of this story told by Apoll Apollodorus, although Coronis and Apollo had been lovers, she left him to marry a mortal, Ischis. The crow, which was then white, brought news of the marriage to Apollo, who became so incensed that he burned the bird's feathers and then burned Coronis to death. In other versions, Coronis is herself turned into the black crow. And it's possible the Greeks saw a mated pair of crows as a representation of the forbidden love between Coronis and Ischis. This may be one of the earliest stories of a woman marrying below her class for love. Crazy, right? Um, so maybe, you know, the bird's feathers were turned black, but it lived, so now that's why crows are black. Maybe that's what the Greek mythology is. I, that's pretty crazy, right? All right. Why the crow is black according to Muslims. This one I don't even know. And I'm Muslim. I should know this, but I don't. We're going to read it right now. Muhammad, 
praise and blessings be upon him. Born sometime around 570 Common Era, he is considered to be the founder of Islam and the last prophet sent to earth by God according to the Islamic faith. A popular legend depicts a time in which Muhammad was Muhammad was hiding from his enemies in a cave. A crow, which was then white, spotted him and cried, Go, go, which means cave, cave in Arabic, to his seekers. They did not comprehend the crow's cries, however, and Muhammad escaped. He turned the crow black for the betrayal and cursed him to utter, utter only one phrase for the rest of time. Car, car. <laughs> Obviously, I don't think this is a true story, and this is why crows can speak English. <laughs> they can speak other languages, too. I know that they can speak. Now, according to the Greeks and Romans, why is the crow horse? H-O-A-R-S-E. Apollo sent a raven to gather water for a feast, but the raven was distracted by an unripened fig tree. Determined to obtain the figs, the raven waited until the tree ripened, ate his fill, and then captured a water snake to bring back to Apollo. The water snake, the raven explained, was the reason he was late and unable to collect the requested water, but Apollo saw through the lie, (laughs) and as punishment. Apollo declared the raven could never again drink from the stream until the figs ripened. Since then, now the raven must wait. And so, of course, his voice is always hoarse because he's thirsty. (laughs) That's awesome. Why owls and crows fight according to the Hindus? Now, according to the great animal epic, the Panchatantra, The birds had come together to elect a king and choose his earthly appearance. They had elected the owl and were beginning to organize his lavish coronation when the crow arrived. The crow laughed at their decision, protesting that the owl was too ugly, his features without tenderness, and his nature was without pity. Furthermore, Garuda, the eagle, mounted Vishnu, was already their king, and to take another was a sin that could result in severe punishment by the gods. The others, scared by the crow's warning, they left in agreement, but being nocturnal, the owl had slept through all of this, the whole council. Now he awoke to find his coronation canceled due to the crow's persuasive words and owls and crows have been fighting ever since <laughs> okay why do we die according to the haida natives ravens have a significant role in the creations legends of many different native american tribes now according to the haida tribe of the queen charlotte islands Greater Raven was a creator that first called Earth into being on the endless sea. He then made humans out of both rocks and leaves. The people of rock were, as I can well imagine, more difficult to shape and were never finished. The people of leaf, on the other hand, were quickly completed and ready to roam the land. The Raven instructed them that, like the leaf, they must eventually fall and rot back into the earth. And that's how death 
entered the world. Why the sky is full of light? According to the Simshian natives, that's with a T in front. I'm assuming it's silent. So Simshian, T-S-I-M-S-H-I-A-N. Greater Raven, as mentioned above, eventually gave dominion of the world to his sister's son, Lesser Raven, who it was said was as robust as stone and would live forever. Unlike Greater Raven, Lesser Raven was both a trickster and had a voracious appetite. Hungry, hungry hippos. To satisfy his hunger, Lesser Raven filled the earth with food, but feared he would be unable to find it as at that time the earth was still dark. While seeking a solution, Raven flew through a hole in the sky where he found another world much like our own. When he saw the daughter of the chief of heaven collecting water, he transformed into a needle. He floated into her vessel. When she drank the water and the needle, the lesser Raven impregnated her and was later reborn as her son. The infant charmed the chief and his wife and was granted permission to play with a box that contained the light of day. Suddenly, Raven took his original form ah, and flew back to earth through the hole in the sky, taking the box with him. <laughs> Later, he broke the box out of anger and filled the sky with the sun, the moon, and the stars. Well, thank you, Lesser Raven. How sweet. Now, why do we bury our dead according to Judaism? According to the Yalkut Shimoni, an Agadic compilation of the Hebrew Bible, written in the 13th century, after Adam and Eve's son Abel died, they did not know what to do with the body. Seeing their distress, a raven killed one of his companions to show the grieving couple how to dig a hole and bury the body. To thank the raven for his kindness, God feeds baby ravens until their feathers turn black after which their parents take over. Thus, be it the color of ravens or the intimate mysteries of human death, crows have offered a canvas on which early peoples the world overpainted their explanations of life. Now, these stories are taken from a book. It says here, my thanks to Borgia Sachs and his terrific book named Crow which was a factual source and inspiration for the blog post. And again, this is corvidresearch.blog. And the name of this article is Why the Crow is Black and Other Mythology. All right. In our final website, I'm going to recommend about ravens and crows, transceltic.com. Ravens, Celtic, and Norse mythology is the article I'm going to take the next bit of information from. 
It's T-R-A-N-S-C-E-L-T-I-C. Transceltic.com is where I'm getting this one. Okay. Ravens and crows. There are a hundred over 120 species of ravens, crows, rooks, chows, jackdaws, and magpies. And this family. All the relatives of ravens and crows are called corvidae, C-O-R-V-I-D-A-E, or corvids if you want, or corwins if you want to go more Celtic with that. So um, in Celtic mythology, ravens are in many, many legends. It's considered to be a bird of foreboding because, you know, they, they're black and they're very shiny and sleek and they eat dead things. They literally help the dead, you know, the bodies, you know, decompose. They're very necessary in all of the natural cycles in which they exist. See, in, here in, in Ecuador, we only have magpies, but we have other birds of carrion. We've got the massive... 18 foot wingspan condors here, the massive Andean condors. They're so graceful and beautiful, and they 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 eat dead things too. I love the condors. I was also thinking about getting a condor tattoo if I do become Ecuadorian. <laughs> because they're just oh, they're graceful, beautiful birds, and they're birds of death and well being the angel of death origin original. <laughs> I'm the OG baby of (laughs) Death Angels, so it's just kind of this exciting for me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, all right. Um, The the ravens are considered to be straddling the worlds of the living and the dead. They are death walkers or world walkers, like I am, like my near twin uh, is. Uh, Jude, he's he's also a world walker, and we're off. Oftentimes, we are messengers between the living and the dead. We're kind of like the go-between, right? And that's the same thing with the ravens. So they they were often uh, known for swooping down on battlefields, and they started to feast on the dead. And so they kind of had you know people were a little bit afraid of them. Warriors were a little bit afraid of them, but they were also seen as having the power of the gods. Now, in Irish mythology, the war goddess Bab, B-A-D-B, Bab, features in the story of, now I'm not going to say this correctly, I know it, <laughs> Tainbo Kwanje, Kwanje, T-A-I-N-B-O-C-U-A-I-L-N-G-E. Tainbokwanji? I don't know. Okay. It's the central tale in the Ulster cycle. So taking on the form of a crow or a raven, she causes terror amongst the forces of Queen Mab in Connacht. In the battles fought with Ulster and the legendary hero Cúchulán. It is also said that the Morrigan, in the form of a raven, perched on Cuchulan's shoulder at the time of his death. In Welsh mythology, the figure of, now here's another one, 
<laughs> this hard. Bendigidfran. Bendigidfran, maybe? Appears in the Welsh triads. And then it says something in Welsh. Oh my God, there's no way I can pronounce this. Triad Yinispriden? I don't know. It's a set of medieval manuscripts that contain Welsh folklore. So basically the Bran Fendigaite, his name could be translated as the Blessed Raven. Also features in the second branch of the Mabinogi. Ravens also appeared in the dream of Ranobui, and they're recounted of in the Red Book of the Hergist, written in the 14th century. The story is set at the time of Maydog Ap Meridud, a prince of Powys, who died in 1160. It tells the story of a dream of his retainer Ronbi, where he visits the days of King Arthur. He dreams of a figure in Arthurian legend, Owain Mab Urien, and sees a time when Owain and Arthur were playing chess. At the same time, some of Arthur's attendants were tormenting Owain's ravens. Arthur ignores Owain's request that this be stopped, and in revenge, Owain's ravens kill many of Arthur's attendants, eh, well, before the peace was finally restored. <laughs> Very crazy. Now, in Cornish folklore, uh, King Arthur, he never died, but his spirit did enter that into a red-billed chauch, which is a member of the crow family. The red feet and beak of the bird are said to represent the violence of his last battle. The red-billed chauch had particular cultural connections to Cornwall and appears on the Cornish coat of arms, actually. It is deemed very unlucky to kill this bird. Obviously, you don't want to kill King Arthur. Everybody loves him. So, although there have been a marked decline in the Cornishow over the years, an ongoing conservation effort does continue to be underway. It supports the sustainable habitats, and they are hoping to see more breeding pairs in the future. Now, in Nordic mythology, ravens hold a special place. Now, the god Odin is sometimes referred to as the raven god. This is due to his association with ravens Hugin and Munin, as we talked about earlier. Okay. Now, um, Odin's also, he's said to have two wolves, Gary and Freki, who sit at his feet while Hugin and Munin, which we talked about earlier, perch upon his shoulders. In the Isle of Man, or known as Manon, there are a large number of carved Celtic stone crosses. Many carry Celtic designs and inscriptions using an early Celtic script called Ogham. Now, you know what? I had a weird, I read a weird story about a man who was in Egypt in a very ancient part of Cairo, in old Cairo. He saw women that could not speak. They did not speak to anybody, but they had ancient Ogham written in tattoo form on their chins. And had their name, but if you dare speak their names, um, their family members will kill you. I just, I don't know why I had to bring that up, but that's weird, right? I read that in a, in a, in a website about star seeds to see if you are a star seed. Very, 
I mean, the whole thing is just so mystical and cosmic and strange. I just had to bring it up. So here, Ogham is a Celtic script. It didn't actually say that in that website, so weird. Okay, there was also a number of Norse crosses with images of Norse pagan mythology and runic inscriptions. One of them is Thorwald's cross dated to the 10th century, which depicts Odin with a raven on his shoulder and the wolf Fenrir biting Odin in the events of Ragnarok, which foretells the death of Odin and other major Norse gods. So I think in that case, you know, the raven, you know, it is a harbinger of death, actually. And so it's very interesting. Now, ravens also feature in the stories of the Valkyrie in Norse mythology. They're female figures, and they choose who will live and who will die in battle. And of these, they select who goes to Valhalla, the Hall of the Slain, located in Asgard, home of the Esser gods. Now here, they'll, they prepare to aid Odin in the forthcoming battles of Ragnarok, where the old world would die and the new world would be begun. Now, in the ninth century, a poem, Hrafnsmal, I cannot even say Hrafnsmal, a meeting is described between one of the Valkyrie and a raven, where they are discussing the life and the exploits of Harald Fairhair, the first king of Norway. Now, the importance of the raven to the Vikings is often shown by how much the bird's image is used on helmets and armor and shields, carvings on the longships and banners. Of course, this is probably meant to invoke the power of Odin. And it's not going to be lost on the enemies that they are about to engage in battle when they see ravens all over their stuff. <laughs> Many of the Norse and Gael, G-A-E-L, from Gaelic. Okay. Um, continue to use the image as did the Norse Jarls of Orkney. Even today, the yearly Viking festival of, of Up Helia in the Shetland Islands of Scotland they also use the image of a raven. See, now, Vikings are considered to be a great big part of Scottish and Irish and Welsh and English history because they kind of came down and conquered and then kind of mingled with the people. So it's all kind of, you know, mixed in together. And right when I'm saying that, I just saw a big rush of blue energy to my left over here. Is there someone here? ETs? Someone from Nordic? Uh, there's a Norse god with me. Norse god? Norse goddess? Odin? Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. It's... Yeah, he's, he's saying, I hear that you're uh, talking about my friends, the ravens. I am. I love ravens. It's one of my totem animals, my spirit animals. I'm from, I'm also a Celtic, but also native. He says, well, good. He's like, thank you for remembering me. Always, Odin. We always remember you. How would we not? You are very powerful. 
guard that you know energy that have been, you've been with us for a long time. Thank you very much. He just said he offers his blessings to me. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. He says I will be away now. He left. Are you still here? No, he left. <laughs> oh my God, that was amazing. I really feel blessed. Really, truly, like this energy of super hot energy just overflowed me. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I think this is it. We that that that's you can't really get much better than that. All right, well, treat your ravens and crows and magpies and chows and all the Corvidae family with respect and love. And, well, always remember Odin when you see, the, when you see them. Kind of give them a nod and say, say hi to Odin for me when you see them. Say hi to them. They might say hi back. You never know. If you want to play with a raven and you see, see ravens around a lot, Maybe you can make little fashion little toys and see if they'll play with you because they're very sweet, very, very sweet birds. You know, they, they um, are very intelligent, you know. So, well, that's it, guys. That's all for now. That's all she wrote. I mean, having the Nordic, the Norse god Odin show up at the very last minute like that, at the last part of my show, uh, I'm just, I'm in awe. I'm a little... Like I'm burning up, I'm starting to sweat and now I'm starting to get a little cold. I'm like hot and cold and like, oh, I felt like he actually gave a blessing over me. I feel a wild energy just overcame me. So Odin just blessed me, guys. This is so cool. Wow. I think I might have some Viking blood in me. Why would he come unless I do? Wow, I'm like seriously blown away right now. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Other than thank you guys. Thank you for being on this journey with me and the ascension into fifth dimension, the next world up. Maybe we will get to meet the gods and goddesses of old as we move up because, you know, they were real, are real. Maybe they're gods and goddesses because they were ascended masters and they just had a different name. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, that's uh, like so cool. Ooh, I don't know if you can feel this energy, but oh my God. Oh my God. Seriously, I'm going to go start, you know, I'm going to be up for the next two hours looking up Odin now. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to get a set of runes now too. I'll probably have to make my own runes actually. Yeah, this is like really deep, man. This is just going to get deeper. Oh my gosh. All right, guys. Well, send me your Santa Claus stories and your Christmas miracles and your Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and Diwali miracles. And happy Diwali to my friends in India. I don't know what day it is, but I know it either just happened or it's about to happen. So I don't want to forget. I want to say that in advance because, you know, hey, I love you guys. I know, um, Hanukkah or, or Hanukkah, if you want to say it like that, that's coming up really soon. It's always before Christmas. Anyway, if you have any stories about this time of year that is magical, miraculous, anytime you wrote Santa Claus a letter and you were answered, even if you want to remain anonymous, I want to hear the stories. I've got some of my own stories, but I'm hoping that you guys will tell me yours because I want to have a very special Christmas miracle style 
you know, show. All right. That's it. I mean, again, thank you for being, uh, my listener and for forwarding this to all the like-minded folks on your mailing list or in your family or in your Facebook groups or what have you. Thank you for forwarding it. It is actually starting to work. I'm getting more and more people. I am absolutely, uh, getting more listeners. So I'm happy. So, Hey, and welcome to you. If you are new, I've gotten a lot of new listeners this past, uh, week and by the way, from Russia. So Moy Gopniks, thank you for listening to the show, comrades. I'm so happy to have you. And if I'm not even pronouncing this right, that means I need more lessons in Russian, but I am learning Russian because <laughs> it's a cool language. It's just crazy. I can read some of the letters. Ooh, it's fun. All right. Well, that's it, guys. That's it for now. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life and see what's coming next? What does the universe have in store for you? I can help you with that. I will give you a Celtic cross reading, which is 10 cards, or you can ask me three questions and I use three cards per question. So that's nine cards or I can channel your higher guidance or maybe God directly for you. Maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew. If your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters, I can channel them for you personally. Let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life. Readings are $75 and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete. And for this price, you will also be hooked up to the healing grid around the planet for free, which means yours truly, me, I will be giving you Reiki 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. All you have to do is let me know. Metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com and we will explore your future together.